we carry this burden of making our lives amount to something that makes our family's sacrifice worth it. Hello, and welcome to the Raised by Immigrants podcast. I'm your host, Kavi Sebastian, and together we'll create a space where we can bond over the experience of being children of immigrants. We'll talk about everything from relationships and family to mental health and careers, all from the lens of being in between one culture and another. Welcome to the first episode of Raised by Immigrants. I'm so excited to have you here and to start and share this journey with you. I have had this podcast on my mind and on my heart for a really long time. If you know me in real life, you know I've been planning this podcast for literally months. I actually came up with the idea over a year ago, and I wanted it to be a passion project that I sort of just dove headfirst into without really thinking too much. But I have a marketing background, and I happen to be a little bit of a perfectionist. So once I fell in love with the idea, I just held off on publishing episodes. I actually recorded about seven to eight full episodes by the summer of last year of 2022. And then I scrapped almost all of them um, just because I wasn't happy. So if you continue to listen and you start to hear episodes that have varying sound qualities, that's why. Sometimes I'm pulling from previous recordings and sometimes I'm using my new mic. But we'll talk about all of that later. I wanted to kind of start off by telling you a little bit more about me and about why I decided to start Raised by Immigrants. I think when we talk about this defining experience of being raised by immigrants, we rarely see it being spoken about in a casual way. And I wanted to create that space, right? Because it shapes our ideas and our perspectives of the world. It influences how we connect with others. And it just it just changes our opinions of the world and especially impacts how we act as adults and who we identify as adults. Because we're having all of these experiences in our childhood and adolescence being raised by immigrants, and it just shapes who we are and who we become. But when people speak about this, it's through this very academic or expert lens. And I find that if we don't take stock or inventory of these personal experiences on that individual level, we will often find ourselves resenting those defining factors. I've had so many conversations with friends who are also raised by immigrants and come from different cultures. And whether it's our parents, our culture, the color of our skin, sometimes we fail to appreciate and unpack what makes us who we are today if we don't have these conversations with one another, if we aren't reflecting on those experiences. Because for better or for worse, being raised by immigrants has a pivotal influence on who we are. So I want this space to be one where you and I can connect over those experiences in a casual, conversational setting. I think that conversations about stigma, trauma, joy, achievement, and all of these things are just as powerful when they're shared by regular people like you and me. 
We don't have to be scientists or award-winning researchers to have insight on these experiences, right? You don't have to be an expert in anything other than your own experiences to be a part of this community. So whether you're an immigrant, you were raised by immigrants, or you just want to better understand the lives of your friends or family members that grew up in another culture, I'm so glad that you're here. And I invite you to join the conversation. You can follow me on Instagram at Raised by Immigrants Podcast and connect with me there. You can come chat with me on the podcast yourself. Whatever it is, this space is ours to share. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. Now, I want to believe that creating this community is going to have an impact. Um, And I think it's important that we create this together. Um, To give you a little bit of background, according to the 2022 U.S. Census Bureau report, over 26% of children in the U.S. live with at least one foreign-born parent. So in other words, more than a quarter of the children in the U.S. have been raised by immigrants. So that's no small number. And there's been a lot of research that came out during the summer of 2022 that since the Ellis Island generation over a century ago, children of immigrants have had the most rapid and impressive upward socioeconomic mobility. In other words, we're starting from the bottom and we are getting to the top and we're doing that better than children of American-born parents. And I think that's so cool, but it's not talked about. Right, That power is clearly coming from something within our cultures, and it's something we should be proud of, but it's not a story that's being told. And yet there's been generations of social scientific data and research that backs this up. And it makes me think about the way we define the American dream. Right. The image you get in your head is white picket fences, white collar job. But the real message behind the American dream is that upward mobility. It's being able to do better than your parents and or giving your children the ability to do better than you. So then if we were to define the American dream that way, haven't our parents achieved that? And yet it's not celebrated when we achieve that. Our parents are ridiculed for having accents or not having perfect English. They're looked down for, um, you know, their blue-collar jobs, like being nail techs or nannies. Those aren't necessarily respected. People make fun of those jobs and of those people. But as we're growing up, in between those two cultures, we're watching this divide happen. We're, we're seeing that double standard being held And we're getting pulled in two different directions because the reality is we are both at the same time, right? We're Asian and American. We're African and American. Whichever culture you come from, if you're raised by immigrants in a Western country, you are one and the other. And I think most of us have to reconcile the two by creating this third in-between world and identity, For example, at home, my family speaks Malayalam, which is a South Indian language from the Indian state of Kerala. And when we go back to visit India, I know my younger cousins or aunts or whatever will make fun of my Malayalam because it's not good enough. And I can acknowledge that it's not. But yet in the U.S., while my English is fine, people don't always view me as American enough 
whether that's through microaggressions or outright racism or different experiences I've had, it's clear that I'm neither one or the other. I'm both. Um, Another example is standards of success in two different cultures. Many immigrant cultures view success as this standardized route. You have, like, doctor, teacher, lawyer, engineer. You get your degree, you get your job, then you get married and pop out kids, and it's all in this predetermined timeline that is that somebody somewhere considered socially acceptable and everybody adheres to that standard. Meanwhile, in the American culture, it's a bit more individualistic, um, kind of like a hustle mindset. You can get away with doing things on your own timeline. But if you're between those two cultures, like you are if you're raised by immigrants, how would you define success for yourself? Whose standards are you supposed to follow? And then if you think about it, you're being raised under one set of arbitrary rules at home, and then you're being shaped and influenced by a completely different set in your social life, at school, at work, just out in the world. When I grew up, I I grew up in New England, um, so from pretty much like preschool through college, I was going to predominantly white institutions or PWIs. So I was surrounded by white people. And I distinctly remember in either middle school or high school, I looked around in my gym class and I just remember being shocked that I was the only person of color in that room. Um, And that that was even possible because I had friends who were of color and who were raised by immigrants themselves. But in this one massive gym class of like 30, 40 kids, I was the only person of color. And all of a sudden I felt like a stain on a white t-shirt. I was just so aware of my skin color. Then when I went on to college and even towards like the end of high school, I started being way more intentional about how I was feeling space and who I was spending time with, right? I I started to build friend groups that were a little bit more diverse. And I did that intentionally because I didn't want to feel that way. I didn't want to feel like a stain on a white t-shirt. And in college, I made active decisions to become friends with other people of color. I joined a South Asian sorority, which we can definitely talk about more on this podcast, but I knew that I wanted to actively build a future and a friend group and a community that was multicultural and diverse and still made up of people that I love. And I know now that I will continue to do so and it will involve my friends. It will involve my community. And I have that privilege of that rich, beautiful, diverse life because of the decisions my parents made on my behalf, right? I get to work towards that life because of their sacrifices and of their choices. If we go back to that upward social mobility and the data behind it, immigrants are good at doing something really freaking hard. And that's leaving behind relatives, friends, the familiarity of home and all in search of something better, right? It is hard to leave people behind like that. Economists from the New York Times actually found that this is one of the defining characteristics that helps children of immigrants achieve that upward mobility we talked about earlier, to catch up to our counterparts who were 
born from, like, American-born parents. And Time Magazine also has their own study that echoes these findings. And this is all from 2022. So this is recent research that is telling us that our parents made those hard choices to leave people and places behind. And in doing so, they really, truly broke a generational cycle, right? Our lives and our experiences get to be, in a sense, better than theirs, and we get to continue that cycle breaking, right? Even if it isn't the way that our parents imagined when they made those decisions, we get to break those generational curses, traumas, and toxic cycles. We get to enjoy the fruits of their labor and the fruits of our own labor. For example, so many of our parents worked for us, not for themselves. They didn't really get to enjoy the money that they made or the, the time that they get back from working. And we now have the opportunity and the privilege to start closer to the top. For example, I work now and I live at home with my parents, which gives me the opportunity to use that money to travel and see the world and just be a more well-rounded person. But it also allows me to start closer to the top. So that when I have my own kids or I build my own community, we can release some of those sacrifices. We can go to all the school performances or all the soccer games. We can implement gentle parenting. We can support mental health. Whatever we find maybe flaws with, we can fix those generational cycles and traumas. And we can release pressures and burdens that are not ours to carry while still creating a vision for a future that we'd like to see in our own communities. So I'm so excited to share this podcast with you and really create that space so we can have those conversations, right? I want to have conversations from everything from hot girl summer and situationships and how being raised by immigrants influences that to career and money mindset and how being raised by immigrants influences that. All these things are so interconnected and you really can't have one without the other. So I'm, I'm just really excited to, to share that with you. Um, for today's episode, I wanted to talk about the fear of imperfection. Like I mentioned earlier, I have recorded and re-recorded episodes for you so many times, especially these first few episodes, and so I thought I'd share kind of my own journey with perfectionism. Um, it felt fitting to, to start the show off that way. Now, I'm sure I'm not the first person to ever deal with perfectionism, um, and we all know it's completely normal to, you know, fear failure or imperfection. But I think when it comes to being a child of immigrants, it's also about battling this enormous responsibility or expectation that your family has for you. So I think as children of immigrants and also as people of color, we are just held to this extremely high standard by our society, by our families, and even by ourselves, right? We have to be 10 times as good, 10 times as dependable, 10 times as committed just to be recognized the same way as our white counterparts. A great example of this is the model minority myth, which is the idea that certain minorities, specifically Asians and South Asians, are more high achieving than other minorities. Um, and if you look at the history around this, the reality is that this myth 
was created to build a divide between minorities. I took a sociology class in college, and we went over this in depth. Basically, during World War II, media created this idea that the Japanese were kind of rising up out of the ashes after being held in the internment camps. And so then they started throwing this in the face of black people, they meaning the media. Um, They sort of said, if Asians and South Asians can get educated, make money, and move upward in our society, then why can't black people? Right, It just perpetuated this racist system that allowed them to have the privileges that they still have today, um, and it really created that racial divide. And that's also something we still see today. But what's worse is when your own culture adds fuel to that fire, creates a bigger gap there, you get children that suffer from burnout, poor mental health, um, gifted child syndrome, but you also get another community that you're harming. Another example of sort of those extremely high expectations and the consequences of that for people of color is the double standard the black community faces, right? We saw it with Colin Kaepernick, who kneeled during the national anthem in protest, and it basically ended his entire career. Um, But then when white soccer player Megan Rapinoe did the exact same thing, she barely got a slap on the wrist. We saw it with the Obamas during their terms in the White House. Um, I remember Malia Obama got dragged through the mud for underage drinking in college. But, like, who hasn't done that at some point, right? There's just these high, high expectations. And what's actually worse is that this pressure doesn't just come from the outside. It comes from inside the house, too, right? It comes internally, For example, I'm in my 20s now, and I find the pressure that I put on myself is so much higher than what my parents have ever put on me. I was talking to my mom recently, and she said that one of my aunts, a bunch of them actually, are envious of the life I'm building, right? I have my own business, I work 9 to 5, I travel a lot, and I love my life, but I never thought I would hear that people I look up to are envious of my life. Right? I'm, I'm out here thinking I have to do all these things better than everybody else just to make my parents' sacrifice worth it. They've left their homes, their parents, their close friends and family, and everything that they thought they knew to build a life, a better life for me, for us. And that's what it really comes down to, isn't it? We carry this burden of making our lives amount to something that makes our family's sacrifice worth it. But the reality is we can't survive under the weight of that type of pressure. So then the question really becomes, how do we shift from that mindset? How do we relieve the weight and the gravity of all those pressures and high expectations? I think the main obstacle when it comes to perfection is this black and white view of success. That if it's not perfect, it's a failure. I think the key to taking that pressure off of ourselves is to understand and even enjoy the area in between about trusting the process and enjoying the journey. Because achievement can be a good thing, but I think when you start to depend on it for your sense of self-worth, it quickly becomes a slippery slope. I know in my business, when I first started out, I really had no idea what I was doing, and I was figuring it out along the way. 
And looking back, I am really proud of how I handled that and went through that journey. But I made sure that I never attached my success in my business to my self-worth because it truly was something I was experimenting with, something I never thought I would do. And I didn't want a failure in that to result in me feeling like a failure. And I think once we learn to value the process in that way, we can easily shift the way we think about our quote unquote comfort zone, right? Like those things that are uncomfortable are no longer scary. They don't feel like you're heading towards failure. Instead, they're exciting. They're opportunities to discover more around your zone of genius or to learn something new. For example, like I said with this podcast, I have recorded and re-recorded episodes. I've experimented with the intro and outro. My guest episodes, I'm truly figuring it out as I go along. And I'm having fun with it. Although I definitely, you know, scrapped everything and started over and stressed myself out in that way, I'm still trying to have fun with it. So I think when we're a little bit kinder to ourselves and let go of the pressure of having to feel like If it's not good, or if it's not our version of perfect, that it's a failure, then it allows us to make more mistakes and still have fun, still learn, and actually get more out of failure than out of perfection. Um, I, I know it's so easy to get caught up in the negative thoughts when you're aiming for a goal or just trying to do something new. But I really encourage you to eliminate any negative self-talk. Don't be so hard on yourself and don't compare yourself to other people. That's the last thing you should do. And it can actually like really heal your inner child and that obsessive perfectionist within you. I know that was the case for me. So the key to facing your fear of imperfection really comes from embracing experimentation and joy and just letting go of that worry of being perfect. Um, And I actually think it's an act of self-love and reconnecting with your inner child to explore things with curiosity and approach everything with excitement. So start that podcast, write that book, build that business, try that thing that's been on your mind and on your heart for so long. It doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to be now. And if it makes you feel any better, I'll be right there with you. So tune in every other week and you'll hear me test out different sound qualities, mic settings, background music, and so on. I know my inner perfectionist is going to be screaming, but I know it's also going to be fun and I hope you'll join along for the ride. Thank you so much for tuning in to Raised by Immigrants. Let me know what resonated with you today by tagging me on social or sending me a DM. You can find me on Instagram at Raised by Immigrants Podcast, or you can leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. I read and respond to all your reviews and mentions, so I can't wait to hear from you. See you next time.